Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you, and I'm really grateful to Vicar Andy for inviting me at short notice. He put me on the spot. But some things have come which I hope you'll find helpful. Now, I'm not here to represent a particular mission agency, although I've been involved with quite a few uh, over the years, and not least uh, with a mission that sent us to one corner of Europe um, a couple of decades or so ago. I basically want to explore God's big plan for all of our lives, which affect our engagement with the whole of the world. And essentially, it's sharing with you a little of my own journey um, in how God has progressively opened my eyes and led me and then Stella with me forwards in world engagement. And I stumbled across a verse about two days after Andy um, invited me, which I thought, well, this says it all. Psalm 105, verse 1, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. This spells out three specific responses that God is looking for from you and me. Let me start with call on his name. I attended Sunday school and church faithfully throughout my childhood and teen years and never disbelieved anything I was taught. However, a radical change took place in my life at the age of 18 when I found myself at Aberystwyth University College and fell in with a group of really turned-on Christian students. For them, Jesus was alive and real and not just a figure of the past to be admired from a distance. I knew that something vital was missing from my own experience of God. I'd never really got personal with Jesus, never spoken to him as it were face to face, and invited him to live in me and bring me the experience of his forgiveness and new life. I got to about three weeks into uni, rapid progress, evangelistic meeting, went back home, knelt by my bedside, and I asked Jesus, speaking to him face to face as a living, present person, to come into my life and make himself real to me and to do something radically new. And this is it, really. When we talk about mission, it's all about that personal discovery of Jesus and wanting to share him with others. Words of a song came to mind as I was thinking about what happened then, and it was this, Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. When I started this kind of conversation with Jesus, something happened which takes me into the next words of the text, not quite in the same order. Give thanks to the Lord. My heart was warmed, I felt peaceful and thankful. Thankfulness to the Lord for what he was doing in me. 
And he made me want to share myself with others, which as a bit of an introvert was a bit radical. First with other Christians in fellowship, as well as with student friends, in inviting them to come and join us and experience the good news. I was learning to live the kind of life which simply says, thank you to Jesus. Soon for me, a new dimension was added to this overflow of thankfulness and love, which takes me to make known among the nations what he has done. I was invited to join the Christian Union Missionary Prayer Group for India. Now, as a geographer, I'd always been interested in foreign countries, but this was something else. Meeting with others for intentional prayer for faraway people and places. It really caught my imagination to feel that my prayers could really make a difference to missionaries and churches thousands of miles away. Added to this, our group made a special effort to befriend and support fellow Asian students. I was beginning to discover something of what it meant for me to make known among the nations what God has done. What about you? This call is for all believers, but how it works out in practice will be very individual. That's my talk, really. (laughs) I suspect I ought to say a bit more in order to earn my lunch Let me show you more of how the adventure unfolded. Still during my student days, another piece of the jigsaw fell into place about world mission. I signed up for a weekend residential conference with the mission I was eventually to work with. The first-hand contact with pioneer workers was so inspirational. Ernest Francis planting churches with the Arakan hill tribes of Burma. I can still remember the talk he gave today. It was 50 years ago, this. Enlarge the place of your tent, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. I was inspired enough about overseas to end up applying to teach in Nigeria. However, that door closed, probably wasn't ready. I ended up teaching at a boys' school in Southend-on-Sea. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be one of my funny lines, so I don't know quite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where other lessons the Lord had to teach me about mission, that it could equally be in the UK through teaching, through being involved in youth work in the local church. One day, I was invited to tea by two older Christian workers. One a missionary to Jewish people, who I'd been helping a little bit, and the other a retired missionary lady who had worked for many years in China. They spoke these words into my life. We believe God is calling you to serve overseas as a missionary. God's guidance doesn't often come quite so starkly and clearly, and the reality took 16 years to come to fruition. 
Though prior to my ordination in the Anglican ministry in 1974, I did spend two months in the Lebanon working among students, sharing fellowship mainly with Palestinian and Egyptian Christians. Now, during my early years as curate, and then after marrying Stella, and later starting as a vicar in Bolton, no laughter after Bolton, but I don't know. What's the difference between Bolton and Southend and Sea? I don't know. I increasingly felt my call to be involved with the international church was to be worked out through involvement in our mission society, Crosslinks. I was on the General Council. I helped run their annual Keswick camp. And from time to time, we offered hospitality to overseas visitors. We were serving in a very encouraging young church, feeling increasingly settled, first with the arrival of one daughter and then another. The Lord, however, had other ideas. Parishioners gave us a handsome sum of money for an overseas holiday. We found ourselves that summer on the Algarve in Portugal for a couple of weeks. We'd gone out there particularly to meet up with a couple, Peter and Miranda Harris, who'd recently gone out with three young children to establish an innovative environmental mission, which some of you may have heard of, called Arosha. We were so challenged and inspired by their pioneering example that the draw to overseas work was reignited and we applied to our mission. It was with a certain amount of trepidation, especially during the selection process, when we discovered, by surprise, that another child was on the way, (laughs) a certain person called Andrew. Now, it can be risky pushing doors, but without courage to do this, we will not discover God's will. We were accepted with the proviso that we did a year's residential training at All Nations Christian College, for which we would need to be self-financing. Scary. That was our year of living by faith, in inverted commas, especially living by faith, supported directly by a network of friends and churches as full-time students with three little ones in the nursery. And all I can say is that the Lord provided abundantly. It was our most prosperous year. (laughs) Fast forward a couple of years or so, and the five of us found ourselves living in a Portuguese city with myself as pastor of a small Lusitanian Anglican church, three children in local preschools, Stella finding her way into teaching English to the locals as a means of contact. Portugal, a very needy place. Europe, we haven't heard much about Europe. Tough place with a tricky language to learn, but a brilliant idyllic place to live and bring up children. One of the reasons Andrew's been so blessed is that we dragged him out before he was one to live in Portugal. So, okay, what lessons did we learn that might be of relevance to you as you seek to strengthen your links with the World Church? Just quickly, four of them. First of all, the value of having an in-depth support network 
back in Britain and in other parts of the world, included working with an established mission agency, handling our finance, travel, links with supporting churches, as well as pastoral support and accountability as occasionally staff would come and visit us to encourage us and make sure we were doing the job they were supporting us for. Added to this, we valued our network of over 200 individuals and 10 churches who were praying for us and providing our financial support. In times of loneliness and discouragement, and there were some dark times, we felt buoyed up by the joy and prayers of so many that we knew and felt were focused upon us. It's just like Paul said to the Philippians that we read about a moment ago, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Which leads us to the second thing that we uh, learned to value, and that was that mission is about uh, partnership. It's a two-way relationship. Paul spoke about his longing to visit the Christians in Rome that he was writing to when he said, I long to see you face to face so that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This made visits back to partner churches so special. We were so encouraged by the welcome and fellowship we received and hoped that we were able to inspire in them perhaps new ways of serving the Lord and seeing mission opportunities in their own situation. On one occasion, I was able to bring back from Portugal with me my blind Chilean lay reader with a beautiful singing voice. And he was able to share about his ministry to the visually impaired in, uh, back in Portugal. Serving in Portugal meant that we had a particular set of opportunities to welcome supporters to visit and share in our church life and meet our people particular blessing of being so relatively close perhaps the most challenging visit was when a couple of ladies from one downtown church in Bolton no laughs um, we were visiting on leave and a couple of ladies said to us could we come out and visit you Yes, of course. A few weeks later, they said, oh, there might be a couple more people. I said, yeah, we'll squeeze them in somewhere, into our two-bedroom house. Anyway, two months later, they wrote a letter which said this, I quote, Great news, there are now 16 of us who are booked to come. <laughs> it looked like a logistical nightmare living, as I say, in a two-bedroom house. But the Lord provided miraculously. A local Catholic priest friend with connections to the town hall got us adopted as a cultural visit, bearing in mind that that congregation was <laughs> the least cultural of all the ones that we had. But nevertheless, they provided us with a coach for the week to pick them up from the airport, and also to run us around. They apologised, it was just one way of the week when the bus was occupied elsewhere. 
They arrange cultural visits to the music academy and local museums. And it was great that they were able to meet our place. That visit raised the profile of our church in the town in a really significant way and also helped our downtown Bolton dwellers to discover a wider diet than fish and chips. <laughs> we are also grateful for our partnership with the Lusitanian denomination and the support of our bishop, Fernando Suarez. A significant development was that as our church grew, they began to take on a growing proportion of our financing. This is a great development because our work, particularly in that context with national churches, was to help them to become more self-supporting, more self-propagating and self-led. Third lesson we learnt was that actually God opens doors to share his love, which when we went we did not expect. We went to work exclusively among local Portuguese speakers and ended up with over half of our work among the international community for whom the common language is English. Uh, we, we didn't go to the Algarve, in case you're thinking that. Um, we were encountering a growing number of incomers of various nationalities, working with Ford and other international companies, uh, those coming to retire in the area, and also quite a lot of people who had no church connection. And because we were the only spe English-speaking kind of thing, really, um, they were looking for friendship and support. But also significantly, Portuguese nationals who were looking to engage with the international community. So we ended up with two congregations, both found encouragement, Portuguese and English-speaking. There were a few English people among the English speakers. Um, they were there and they shared in joint activities the important lesson was that God may open doors for a wider circle of contact with those we didn't expect. Fourth lesson. Learning afresh, really, about how caring for the individual is at the heart of mission. I am mindful of how Philip, in Acts 8, was carried away from proclaiming Christ to the crowds in Samaria, and whisked off into the desert to meet with an Ethiopian official who was desperate for someone to explain some words in Isaiah that he was reading and didn't understand, and of how Philip spent time alongside him explaining from that the good news about Jesus and of how that one person requested baptism and went back to his home country and we might surmise that possibly he helped to found what today we call the Coptic Church in that part of the world. I sometimes ask myself why we were sent from a thriving, all-age, 200-plus membership church in Bolton to minister to a small congregation in a foreign land. And part of the answer was to give us space to focus on individuals and families 
and to cultivate a widening circle of friends and contacts. Space and time to help each one to the extent they were willing to become mature in Christ. As Paul described in that reading, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. Time for individuals. I think, for example, of Zhuang, a Brazilian engineer, seeker, who I was able to do a one-to-one course with over a number of weeks using a translation of the then basics course, Good News Down the Street, which those over 60 may have heard of. Then there was Angela, who we met in the crisis of her marriage breaking up. Someone in turmoil, without faith and without hope. Yet through the support, friendship, hospitality and listening, mainly from Stella, she came to put her life in Jesus' care and is still going on with the Lord today. Another person was Jonathan, an Irish TEFL volunteer, a really caring and thoughtful young Christian man who shared a great deal in the life of our family. He is now a vicar of a large church in Belfast and writes to us faithfully every Christmas time on his Christmas card, thanking us for how we modelled ministry and hospitality and gave him the inspiration to press on in Christian service. Now, we're under no illusions that we were only a very small cog in the very big wheel of God's good purposes for the lives of each one that we touched. And yet we think whatever we didn't achieve, that we thank God that he enabled us to input and make a difference for them. Am I okay for a couple of minutes more? Yeah, okay. (laughs) No idea. Right, okay. Um, I want to try and draw the strands together um, by quoting one of the great commission verses, which I think does help us to get the big picture. You remember the words of the 11 disciples in the Acts, last words of Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right, the words were given, yes, to 11 apostles in a particular historical context and we know how they were empowered to spearhead the mission of the church across westwards, the Mediterranean world, and probably also as far east as India. But we also see these words, you are my witnesses, to the ends of the earth, applying to all Christians in every generation. Both Peter and Paul speak of how in coming to Christ, we are like living stones built into a spiritual house on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone, called to declare the praise of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. Uh, when, uh, if uh, you do, uh, recite the Apostles' Creed, as good Anglicans, um, we say we believe in one holy Catholic worldwide, an apostolic church. The word apostolic simply means sent to represent the king 
in the place he has put us. By shining for him in dark places, by serving those in need, and sharing the hope we find in Jesus as opportunity presents himself. But how in practice does this great commission work out for each one of us? Where is our own Jerusalem? The simple answer is quite simply the place we live in at this present time. For us, it's Aspi de la Zeus in the National Forest. That deserves a laugh from one person. Um, for you here in Multicultural Barnet. Now, it's not possible, impossible that you might be called and sent as we were as supported Christian workers elsewhere in this country or overseas. More likely, in our increasingly mobile society, to work, study or retire may take you as a believer to live, live elsewhere in Britain or beyond, a bit less likely these days, Europe, uh, there to join a church and be a witness for him and to discover that Jesus is as much there as he was where you left him behind before. It could be somewhere tough like Samaria or a really nice place like Judea. But what about our port, our call to make known among the nations what Jesus has done? There's something a bit more here than simply being a witness to people like us in the place we are at the moment. Well, first thing, we recognise and we thank God that particularly since the Second World War, the Lord has graciously been sending all nations to live among us um, here in the United Kingdom. First from the Commonwealth, immigrant workers from Europe, refugees from Asia and beyond. We have been gifted the opportunity for cross-cultural mission, remembering occasionally that some of the people who come are fired-up Christians as well, and Christians have a special calling to promote racial harmony and give practical support to refugees. We're heartened that our own daughter and husband have offered a flat they own to Ukrainian refugees. That's great. But also, at the same time, we need to get clued up on other faiths and be able to engage in respectful dialogue regarding the uniqueness of Jesus. Also, the other day, Phil, our church warden back in Ashby, told me he was off for a couple of weeks in September to Armenia, part of a short-term team under Flame International. Its aim is to be a mission of healing and reconciliation in that troubled land. Opportunities for short-term mission opportunities. We've been reminded today, and I'm coming into land at this point, that by, you've been reminded by your mission partners that there is a very real sense in which we can and should share in witness to the ends of the earth. We need to have a more dynamic understanding of that great commission in Acts 1.8. There is a sense in which we can all be involved with mission, not just in our own Jerusalem, but also in the modern equivalents of Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth, involved with all of them concurrently. 
Not so much by traveling there physically, but we can travel there in spirit. We can presence ourselves there through our prayers and our giving. Support not just for mission partners, but for local Christians who are normally best equipped to evangelize and who often find themselves in great need and danger. We remember that in many countries, Christians are often despised minorities, excluded from good jobs, and at the end of the line when it comes to receiving relief aid. They need financial help to escape from poverty, to pay for school fees, etc. Now, apart from prayer for specific mission links, I find it particularly helpful to engage with the suffering church in many lands by using the Barnabas Fund prayer diary. There are equivalents uh, from other missions. Because what it does is over two months, it takes me on a journey across almost all the countries of the world to get a little focus and a little insight so that I really can feel that I am involved throughout the world. And I think that's really important alongside specific mission links. The challenge is for all believers to be engaged with all nations. Mission really is from everywhere to everywhere. And as disciples of Jesus, we are called to be involved in the whole process. Final question. What practical steps must each one of us take to forward God's mission in the all-nations agenda of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can call on your name and know you as our friend and guides. As we listen to what you have to say to us, we pray that we... may be ready and willing to play our special part in making you known among all nations. In Jesus' name, amen.